James chapter 3, 13 through 18. Real short passage. Um, so here we go. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good contact, let, uh, conduct, let him show his works in meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom, the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, or peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's the word of the Lord. Let's get our terms right in, right first here. Knowledge is information. It's facts. But, but when the Bible talks about knowing, it doesn't just mean like being aware of something. Knowing means really knowing. In fact, there's verses where it says that uh, one person knew another person and she got pregnant and had a baby. Like knowing in the biblical sense can mean intimately knowing. Okay, so knowledge is information that you know, you really know. Understanding is a step past that. When we talk about understanding in the Bible, that's ordering knowledge. So not only do I know something, but I know how it fits with other pieces of information. I understand it. I get what it's about. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's being able to think and act based on the information that you have. That's wisdom. So wisdom is what you actually do with the knowledge. So here's, here's James. He's been talking about the importance of doing and now he's really talking about wisdom, which is the way your mind works in the doing process. And he says, if there's a, there's a person who says they're wise, let it be shown in their works. Don't talk about your wisdom. Let's see it in your action. And for James, there are two kinds of wisdom, two sources of wisdom. One source of wisdom is the earthly source. The earthly source of wisdom really comes from yourself. And, and uh, James says that the, the heart of it, and he says it twice in the text, in fact, is selfish ambition and jealousy. So if you're driven by earthly wisdom in your life, you're driven by the need to take care of yourself and get what you want, and you're jealous, so you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. And for James, that has some consequences. He calls it unspiritual and demonic, and he says it results in disorder and every vile practice. Boasting and dishonesty. When everybody's just out for themselves, it gets chaotic, right? Because then I gotta get defensive because everybody's out for themselves. You make a decision based on what you want and what you think. Okay, you want good examples of earthly wisdom? Look at politics today. I want things my way, my party, doesn't matter what party you're in, you, you, you're in. Everybody has their agenda, their way, and they're out to win. They're out to put down the other side. But that's not just jealousy, right? That's business in such a um, profit-centered uh, marketplace that we have right now, where everybody's just after the bottom line, after taking care of their own self. But James says there's another kind of wisdom. It's pure. That comes from above. 
The wisdom, James doesn't spell this out, but, but looking at other scriptures, this wisdom comes from knowing who you are in Christ. If I can be secure in who I am in Christ, then I don't have to watch out for myself. In fact, if you look at the characters in the Bible, they radically don't watch after themselves. They radically go out and put themselves at risk all the time. They're not thinking about themselves all the time. They're not comparing themselves to everybody else. They're just secure in where they are and whose they are. Maybe that's why James describes this as first pure. Do you notice that in the language? He said it's first of all pure. Why is it pure? It's pure because we're not tainting it with our own selfish ambition and jealousy. But then how else does he describe it? It's peaceable. When we live out of a wisdom from above, we don't have to fight with everybody. We don't have to be right all the time. We can just be stable where we are. It's gentle. I don't have to bully anybody to get my way or to get what I want or to put somebody else down so I can feel better about myself. Full of mercy and good fruits. Open to reason. Man, so many of the debates we have today, no one is open to reason. Nobody's open to hear anybody else has to say. <coughs> Impartial and sincere. Man, in our world today, there's just not a lot of people sincere anymore. Not a lot of people that can just be themselves without having to pose in front as to what they might be. And what does James promise? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, if you can become one of these people that lives out of this kind of wisdom, that you can make peace and that peace spreads to other people. It can have an impact on the people around you. Now, when you spell it out like this, in the abstract, it seems to be pretty easy, right? And the point of the sermon is obvious at this point. You ought to live out of one of these wisdoms and not out of the other. But the problem is, in practicality, when we are living our lives and we get really busy, it's actually a lot harder than you think to tell which kind of wisdom you're living out of. It'd be really great if God would, and maybe God's done this to you, but he's never done this to me, with like a booming voice just come out and say, Whew, Jordan, do this. I tell you what, if God ever does that, I'm going to do it. Like there's not a lot of like hesitation. <laughs> but that's not often how God leads and directs us. In fact, what God often does is he leads us through our own intuition. So how do you tell if your intuition is, your, is God's or if it's your own selfish ambition? It's really, really fuzzy. Imagine, don't do this too much, but imagine that you're Satan. Imagine that you're trying to derail this whole Christian thing. There's two ways you can do it. One is what we'll call the younger brother strategy, which is where you get people to live totally irreligious lives. Just get them totally away from anything about God. And some of you have lived those kind of lives, right? Some of you have the scars and the tattoos to prove it. Okay? And I'm not against tattoos. I have one. I'm just saying, a lot of us have been, been through the younger brother. Go off and spend all our money in wild living. That's one way to get people away from what God has for them. But the other way is the elder brother strategy. If you remember the story, the younger brother says, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've spent all my money, I've got nothing, maybe I'll go home and be a servant. And when he gets home, they throw a big party. But his older brother won't come in, and what does he say? For years I've been a servant. His view was that he was a servant the whole time. Just a little bit off. If you're saying you don't have to get people really off, that's, that's fine. But if you could just get them a little bit off, 
So they're just missing the mark a little bit. There was a guy named Matthew Emmons. He was a shooter uh, in the Olympics. And so he was doing these different events where he had to shoot in different positions. So he had to stand, and he had to kneel, and he had to lay down. And uh, a couple years ago, I can't remember what Olympics it was, 2004, I think, he was going into his last shot, and he had the gold in the bag. All he had to do was hit the target. He had shot so well, he went so far ahead of everybody else. And he took aim under all that pressure and hit a perfect bullseye. And nobody cheered because he was aiming at the wrong target. He looked down the sight and he shot a perfect bullseye on the target right next to the target he was supposed to hit. And he went from gold medal to eighth place. Missed the target because he was aiming at the wrong thing. And you know the problem? When you're looking through the, the, the scope of the gun, all the bullseyes look the same. It's only when you pull back. I, I can't tell you how many Christians I hear say things that betray the fact that they're really living out of earthly wisdom. I've been so good. Why is God doing this to me? Assuming that what's supposed to happen here is I'm good and God gives me what I want. See, I'm the center of that. I'm going to go to another church because I'm just not being fed here. Well, when did church become about you being fed? When did you become of the center of what's going on here? I'm going through a lot right now, so I just can't come to worship. As if, you know, when God gets on his game and starts really bringing things together, then I'll come to worship. No, your world, the world isn't centered around you. We speak about God being with us. But do we ever talk about us being with God? Is our faith a means to an end? Is God a means to the ends, which is ultimately me? Or am I a means to whatever God, God's ends are for me? Who's the one doing the submitting in the equation? Who's really at the center of my life? And that is really hard to see when you're busy. It's really hard to see when you're aiming down that scope. You know what you gotta do? You gotta open both eyes. You gotta slow down, you gotta stop. You gotta take a step back and really start to analyze your life. The only way you're gonna do that is if, if you really slow down. I'll give you two, two tools for that right now. Number one is this little thing the Bible talks about called Sabbath. It's where you actually take a day to rest. It's this crazy foreign concept to us. For most of us, we're busy when we're on vacation. How many of you need a day off after vacation? Because you just run and run and run, right? When I get a day off of work, I got, I got all this stuff to do at home, right? That I couldn't do while I was at work. What if we really took time to take Sabbath? I know how hard it is, okay? Because my days at home are probably busier than my days at work. Okay? I understand how this works. And maybe you can't get a full day. You just need a part of a day. Um, maybe you got to piece together your Sabbath, but take a break. And the other thing the church always has understood is that sometimes you got to pull back a little bit more. you got to take a little longer time period. And so they devised these two time periods. And uh, we just started one. It's called Lent. It's the period leading up to Easter where we slow down, where we simplify, where we think about where our lives really are with Christ. And as we approach Easter, we remember two things that we are so sinful that Christ had to go to that cross, and that we are so loved that God willingly went to that cross. And we think about both those things, and in that time we get to reflect. So I would encourage you to think about Sabbath, to really think about taking Lent seriously, because we need those times. Because I know really good meaning Christians 
that are living out of the wrong kind of wisdom and they never slow down to see it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to live out of wisdom that comes from you. Help us to not be the center of our world. Help you to be the center. Don't let us use you, but use us for whatever purposes you have, that we may produce peace around us. In Jesus' name, amen.